Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I love how easy the Game Time app is to use. Just a couple of taps to find the tickets that you want. You get to see the seats that you're going to be sitting in. And it helps if you're not that good about planning ahead like I am. So, well, now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account, and then under the billing section, redeem the code The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make the moves quick and score last minute tickets. Hello and welcome back to the Athletics Power Rankings Podcast. I'm Lindsay Jones, NFL reporter for The Athletic. I'm Amy Perlopiano, NFL editor at The Athletic. So, all right, we are through week 15, and that was kind of a fun week. Um, I think my favorite moments of the week, Amy, I'm not sure about you, but my favorite moments were Lamar Jackson on Thursday Night Football beating the Jets, padding his MVP resume. Even though that game really wasn't close, I'm just kind of embracing any chance we get to see Lamar Jackson um, on a really big stage. Um, and then also that crazy ending to the 49ers Falcons game on Sunday evening when there were booth reviews on back to back plays. The first one reversed the call of a touchdown, and then the second one changed an income or a, a complete pass that was short of the goal line to a touchdown pass for the Falcons, which was just one of the weirdest endings to an NFL game that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, you know, it was, it was kind of nice to see Eli Manning riding off into the sunset, New Jersey, winning his last, uh, what should be his last home game at MetLife Stadium. Um, and then there was, of course, the Buffalo Bills clinching a playoff spot. And later today on the podcast, we're going to talk to Matthew Fairburn of the Athletic Buffalo to get into the Bills and what they're facing this Saturday uh, against the Patriots. But first, we need to talk about some NFL news that's broken in the last day or two. Yeah, so first off, the Lions announced that Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn will both be returning in 2020. Uh, I think some people had wondered, you know, maybe Patricia would be gone after this year. His uh, record as head coach, he started in 2018. His record is 9-20-1, so not great. Um, but they're returning, so I'm sure Lions fans will great. be thrilled. Uh, Terrell <laughs> More Suggs. More <of> culture building. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, Terrell Suggs, it was claimed by the Chiefs and will report so his threat to not report to anyone but the Ravens was actually hollow, but he was also only claimed by playoff teams, so that probably helped convince him to show up. Um, Josh Gordon, this one is just very sad. Uh, another indefinite ban for substance abuse and PEDs at this point. Um, it's just very, very depressing, that situation. Uh, and it's also, you know, bad for the Seahawks, but that's also on Seattle for taking that risk to begin with. Um, but, you know, Ultimately, I just hope he is able to get the true help that he really needs because, you know, we've seen this too many times now and it's just very sad. Yeah, I always thought that football was probably not the right the right place for him at yeah. this point. And, you know, I think there were some arguments that you could make that say, oh, well, he needs the structure of football and the incentive of football. But it just never seemed to be the right thing for him if he was you know, really dealing with, you know, some complex mental health issues and substance abuse issues, which he seems to be doing. So he is not going to be part of the Seahawks, not going to be part of the NFL. I can't imagine that there's another 
that we'll see Josh Gordon back in the NFL, although I probably said that several years ago. So um, with that, let's move into our bottom five. Top five, bottom five. So we've got number 28, the Miami Dolphins. Number 29, the Washington Redskins. Number 30, the New York Giants. Number 31, those Detroit Lions. Number 32, of course, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, We briefly talked about Detroit. Uh, They've just been a a disaster this year. And we mentioned this before, but they like actually were playing well at the very beginning of the season and they have just been awful since. Um, And so I am a little bit surprised that they made the announcement about Patricia just because I thought that with how badly things have gone this year, there was a chance he might not be back, but they're sticking with it, even though it's not working. Um, And then, you know, as, as Lindsay mentioned, we got to see Eli's kind of nice, happy final farewell with the Giants. Uh, He got that win, which was, which is good to see uh, Lindsay, any complaints, concerns here? Anything interesting uh, about teams that you think should be in the bottom five? Although there are actually plenty of teams that probably should be in the bottom five. There's just a lot of bad teams. Yeah, it was it was an interesting week because a lot of the teams that were kind of hovering in that like 25 to 27, 28 range actually won. Um, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, their margin was inches, literally inches away from, you know, losing again. And they probably would have been, you know, 26 or 27. Instead, they jumped up, I believe, five spots. Are they at number 20, I believe, right now? Yeah, I, I mean, they had this 20. massive jump after beating the 49ers. And I think it's just kind of a reminder to all of us of why this season has been so disappointing for the Falcons. Because when they've played well and when they've gone on the road and beaten the Saints and uh, defeated the 49ers, at Levi's Stadium. I mean, those are as good a wins as anybody in the NFL has had this year. But then they go and, you know, they've, they've been on these lengthy losing streaks and they lose at Arizona and all these other kind of really bad losses. It's So it's just frustrating where you see the potential there and it just seems like it's such a wasted year um, and that it's probably all going to end. You know, I don't think a win like that is going to be good enough to save Dan Quinn's job. Um, at this point, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, and otherwise, no real complaints. Interesting that Detroit is now down yet another spot to number 31. And um, I guess I was a little surprised to see kind of the, the the show of support right now for Quinn and Patricia. And I guess I just have to think that it was, you know, the fact that they've had to play the last month plus of the season without Matthew Stafford, who was having the honestly the best season of his career statistically. I mean, we at midseason, we kind of talked about guys that we weren't talking about as MVP candidates. And Matthew Stafford should have been in that discussion before he got hurt. And, you know, maybe the fact that they're down to their third string quarterback has given them kind of a pass. But, you know, it's going to be a huge, huge year next year for for Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, because they've talked all about, you know, establishing a culture in Detroit and they've been spending a lot of money, um, but their defense has been really bad. And that's what Matt Patricia is supposed to be good at. You know, he's supposed to be this uh, de- you know, genius defensive mind. And it just hasn't, it just hasn't happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're, they're at number 31. We had a commenter who said that they felt off that felt awfully high, but I'm guessing that's somebody who hasn't watched a lot of the Bengals because yeah, the Bengals number 32, um, without really any, any competition at number 32 yet this week. Although we are finally getting that game we've been looking for forward to ironically all season with the Dolphins and the Bengals coming up this week, because I know that's what we all wanted for Christmas is dolphins and bangles. But um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting bottom five. And I think, you know, I think the Bengals have really locked up that number one pick. 
Um, but the number two pick is really up for grabs with all of the rest of those teams. Dolphins, Giants, Washington, Lions are still in play there. So that's going to be really interesting to watch over the next couple of years because or next couple of weeks, excuse me, because um, there's a lot of teams, I think, that could use Chase Young, uh, the pass rusher from Ohio State. And, you know, the Giants certainly could use them. I think the Lions could use them. The Dolphins could basically use anybody who's a good football player. So that's going to be really kind of fun and interesting to watch kind of that, that all, you know, how, how that all shakes out. Yeah. So let's start talking about some good teams. There are also a good amount of good teams. Lindsay, take us through the top five this week. All right. At number five, we have the Seattle Seahawks. The number four, we have the 49ers. Number three, the Kansas City Chiefs, who keep on climbing back up here in our in our rankings. Number two, we have the New Orleans Saints, who won huge on Monday Night Football against the Colts. And number one, once again, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, and what I thought was really interesting as we were putting together this file and going through all of our ballots as we were you know, looking at all of our voters this week, um, it was just interesting to me how different our rankings are, especially, you know, at the at the top of the rankings than the NFL play, playoff seedings are, and especially in the NFC, because it's just been so wild, the the NFC playoff seedings where, you know, a couple weeks ago, the Niners fell back to number five, and then last week they were back up to number one, and then this week they lost, and they're back to number five, and now the Seahawks are back to number one, and the Saints are into number three because they lose a tiebreaker right now to the Packers. So we have, we've barely talked about the Packers. I think on this podcast because they've always been just outside of the top 10. But right now they're sitting at the number two seed and and in position to get a first round buy. So it just shows you kind of how, um, you know, how thin that line is right there in the NFC and how wild the NFC playoffs are going to be. You know, I think there's we've read through the comments on the power rankings that are online right now at The Athletic. And there's a number of people who are complaining that that the Niners are still ahead of the Seahawks. Um, and I certainly understand that there's probably some recency bias there in that the Niners lost this week, the Seahawks won this week. Um, I still had a little bit of hard time shaking the dud that the Seahawks laid last week against the Rams when they really just got, you know, dominated by the Rams in week 14, um, where the Niners, their three losses have been like literally by inches, um, you know, final second losses in each of those three games. So, Amy, what do you think? Um, what do you think about where the Niners are? Um, and do you have any other complaints about the way this top five looks? Yeah, so I had the Niners actually at number three in my personal rankings. I only moved them. I moved them just down one spot from last week um, because I can't really shake the way that they played against the Saints. They played great against the Saints. That was a huge win for them. That matters kind of more to me than, you know, this last second loss to the Falcons, which again, like all of their losses, was extremely close, down to the wire, kind of could have gone either way type of thing. Um, And so it wasn't like they got blown out, which the Seahawks did get blown out by the Rams last week. And also, I think the reason why I didn't flip them with the Seahawks uh, just based on kind of one week was that obviously we all know, like December 29th, they play each other um, and that's going to decide everything. So I think once they once I see them play each other again, then maybe, you know, if the Seahawks win that game, of course, then I will rank them above to see it again. But in, in recently, the way that both teams have been playing, even if the 49ers uh, lost this week, I don't think that that loss and the way that it happened was enough to really move them down at all because we've seen them play you know, very talented teams and beat most of them. And, you know, as recently as the Saints game last week, which I thought was an incredibly impressive effort from the 49ers. So that's why 
I wasn't able to move the, the Seahawks ahead of the 49ers. I did move the Saints ahead of the 49ers as we all, we had the Saints at number two um, because of uh, just the way that they've been playing great too. And again, it was like their game against the 49ers. Really, either team could have won. So it's like penalizing either for that game uh, would kind of seem silly to me. And then I had the Chiefs at number four. And um, at number five, I believe I had, who did I have at number five? Uh, oh, the Seahawks. Seahawks are number five. So the Packers were at number six for me, um, which I feel like is where I've had them the last. Oh, no, I had them at four last week. I guess I dropped them at like one spot this week. But I think, again, with yeah, the I mean, Packers. They, were, they almost lost to the Bears. Yeah. I mean, that was a wild, that final play, I actually kind of like jumped off off my couch and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do it. Oh, they're not going to do yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was very close to losing to the Bears. There's a lot of, I think, doubt about the Packers you know Mike Sander actually wrote this in his pick six this week I think one of his like headers in that column was like the Packers are 11 and 3 are they a good team (laughs) like because I think there are a lot of questions about their offensive struggles recently they haven't really fixed that kind of similar to the Patriots right it's like the record shows a very very strong team that you know is is going to have right now they're in the in the two slot seed um, but are they as good as the record indicates? Should there should we be worried? I think we we probably should have some worries. But again, I think that this game that they're going to play against the Vikings is going to tell us a lot. And so that's similar to the 49ers Seahawks game that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Like those games are really going to tell us uh, kind of how to think about these teams as we head into the playoffs. Yeah, and I think the one other thing that we have to talk about when we're talking about the top five is that for the first time all season, the Patriots are not in the top five of our rankings. I feel like the rest of our voters on our national (laughs) NFL staff, Amy, have been listening to our podcast because you and I have been alone on our little island here of having the Patriots at, you know, seven or eight over the last couple of weeks. And now here they are. They're actually at number seven. It is weird that they didn't fall after losing back-to-back games to the Texans and the Chiefs. And now that they win a game (laughs) against the Bengals of all teams, they've actually dropped a couple of spots. But you know, I'm, I'm wondering if that just says a little bit more about the teams that are actually in the top five, you know, the the, the Seahawks and the Niners and um, and then the Chiefs, obviously, how they're playing right now and a little less about the Patriots. But finally, I feel like that that, that they're at the right spot. They're at number seven right now. Um, I've had them at number eight, actually, in my own rankings. But I'm just kind of I, I just feel like that's right. And it's just setting up for such a massive game. Um this weekend where we're really going to, I think, get a better evaluation of who the who the Patriots are right now. Lindsay, how did you feel about the Chiefs coming in at number three this week? Did you have them there? I did. I put them at number three. Yeah. I just think that they're surging and they're really kind of starting to peak kind of at the right time. And um, I, I watched a lot of that game um, against the Broncos. I live here in Denver, so it was the game that was kind of on our, you know, it was on my local CBS affiliate while I also had Red Zone going on my laptop. So um, I did watch a lot of it because I was really curious about Drew Locke. And then I'm also just really, really kind of curious to see what what's coming next for the Chiefs because I think I mentioned this last week that we haven't seen their best game yet Mm -hmm. and it was really impressive to watch Patrick Mahomes kind of look like Mahomes I mean it was kind of 2018 style Chiefs and they were playing in like a really heavy snowstorm Um, I wrote that it was a blizzard I'm not sure technically it was a blizzard but it was really really nasty out there the snow was coming down really really hard it was the visibility was terrible you know you could barely see from sideline to sideline and 
it looked, you know, the Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, like they might as well have been playing inside a dome. It didn't slow them down at all. And that should be really terrifying um, for the rest of the NFL. And I'm super intrigued by this Terrell Suggs edition right now because they do need pass rush help. Um, Frank Clark has been dealing with like a million different ailments. He's had stomach issues and uh, I think like leg issues and a shoulder issue. I mean, he's it just has not panned out for a lot of reasons the way that they were hoping that the Frank Clark move was going to. And, you know, I don't think they need Terrell Suggs to be, you know, they don't need him to play 80 percent of the snaps. They need him to come in and be you know, a, a situational pass rusher, come in on those big third downs, have somebody that they can, you know, really trust to line up on the other side of Frank Clark or fill in for Frank Clark if he's not at 100%. So it's it's going to be really fun. And um, if if we do end up getting a Chiefs-Ravens uh, rematch in the playoffs, having Terrell Suggs on the opposite sideline will be uh, very, very, very interesting. The other teams in our top 10 this week, we've got the Green Bay Packers and Minnesota Vikings who are playing each other on Monday night. When Green Bay can clinch the NFC North with a win, we've got the Texans at number 10 after beating the Titans and holding strong at number nine are the Buffalo Bills, who are now at 10 wins after beating the Steelers on Sunday night. And more important, the Bills have clinched a playoff spot. Joining us now to talk about the Bills, that big win against the Steelers and an even bigger game coming up this Saturday afternoon against against the Patriots is the Athletic Buffalo's. Matthew Fairburn. Matt, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. All right. So let's just start with that game on Sunday night um, against Pittsburgh. What to you was the key moment in that game? What did you maybe learn about the Bills in that game um, that maybe you you maybe didn't know going into that week? You know, I think the game kind of went uh, the way a lot of their games have gone this year. It wasn't always pretty. The offense struggled at times, but uh, I really think that game took a turn when the Bills got really amped up uh, when the Steelers played Renegade, which is kind of their thing at Heinz Field. And and Tim Graham went into this in depth after the game. But, you know, they played that song and the Bills almost used it as their own fuel. Uh, usually it's the other way. The Steelers are using it to as their rallying cry. But the Bills went out and on the very next play took a shot down the field, Josh Allen to to John Brown for a 40-yarder. Those are passes Josh Allen has struggled with this season, uh, and they got really aggressive from that point on on offense. They they kind of put their, their foot on the gas pedal, and that was the game-winning drive. And then you just saw when this defense is playing with a lead, it's a really hard defense to play against. The pass rushers can pin their ears back, and the secondary is just flying to the football. And four interceptions of Duck Hodges, two by Tredavious White, who's uh, you know looking like one of the best cornerbacks in football. So once this team gets a lead, it can be really tough. And you know that they have a way of getting you know the the best out of their offense when it matters most. It can take a little while to get going, but but they rise to the occasion in the fourth quarter. Well, so Matt, it, there was a nugget in that Tim Graham story about Renegade where he said that they the, the Bills players had kind of been listening to it all week and it had kind of become their own rallying cry. How much of that is something that Sean McDermott is doing? Was that some, something specific to the uh, to heading into the Steelers game? Or is that kind of a tactic that he uses heading into any big road game? It was specific to this Steelers game in the sense that, you know, that is their song. But he has little things like that every week that kind of to sprinkle into the practice or 
into the schedule each week. Sometimes it's practicing outside in the rain or, or in the extreme cold. You know, it's certain songs that they'll play just to get themselves used to or in the mindset of playing a certain team. And for this week, it was about being ready for a hostile environment. Obviously, being out at, at practice and hearing that song isn't going to be the exact same as hearing it at Heinz Field. But what it did was change that song into something that would, you know, intimidate or spook them or, you know, the environment would, would kind of get them on their heels. And it turned it into something that they could use as their own fuel and something that would fire them up rather than have the reverse effect. And those are there's a lot of little things like that that Sean McDermott does throughout the season and has done um, really all three years here to try to have attention to detail on any little thing that can get his team prepared. And clearly, you know, this team has been well coached throughout the year. You know, there's people that, you know, can critique in-game decisions Sean McDermott might make here or there, but this team is really well prepared to play week in and week out. And I think Sunday night was the perfect example of that. And Matt, you mentioned kind of it was a bit of a typical game because of the offensive struggles that we've seen uh, kind of throughout the year. And I think that's in terms of people wondering whether the Bills are going to be able to really make a dent in the postseason. I think the biggest question marks fall on Josh Allen. And so what's the biggest difference in Josh Allen this year that you've seen? What has he done well? You know, in what ways is, is he still struggling, still needs to improve? And then how has Sean McDermott and his staff uh, coached him to help him this year? Yeah, I think he's definitely taken steps forward and he's still not necessarily the reason they're winning most weeks, but he's taking care of the football a lot better than he was last year. And even in the early part of the season, he did have one interception uh, on Sunday night and he's he occasionally has issues with fumbles, but He's taking care of the football a lot better, which is, you know, something that the coaching staff really harped on early in the season to make sure that, look, they know their formula for winning football games, given how good their defense is playing. And so if Josh Allen can take care of the football, they're going to be in most games, you know, competing with teams. And so that's been a big thing. And I think they've really also, you know, stressed those those short and intermediate throws that hurt him last year. Josh Allen has not been good throwing the ball down the field this year, but he's been really good from about one to 20 yards in the air. And, you know, that's not something a lot of people would have expected from him coming out of college. So there's, there's been certain areas that they're really, you know, harping on, you know, improving, you know, in the off season. And, and he kind of is starting to check some of those boxes. I think where he's the biggest weapon though, is in the red zone as a runner the the guy is really hard to bring down and he he gives them you know an added you know matchup problem against defenses when they get down near the goal line he is easily their most dangerous red zone weapon and you know that can be a real boost for an offense it's why uh, they convert at, at such a good rate down there and I think that's part of the winning formula for this team is if Josh Allen takes care of the football and you know they can be you know, somewhat opportunistic on offense, hit on a few big plays and play well in the fourth quarter, which he's done, um, you know, better than a lot of quarterbacks in the league, 
then you know they're going to have a chance to win a lot of games and lo and behold they, they've got 10 wins to their credit yeah his passing game progression has been really interesting to me um I'm, i went to his pro day in laramie um i guess heading into the draft in 2018 and i just remember he was you know throwing the ball 70 80 yards in the air and just kind of trying to show off that arm but the big question was like would he have any touch on those kind of short to intermediate passes and it's been really interesting to see that he kind of actually has that and that the deep game doesn't work as well. I mean, I guess it just is a reminder that it's not all about your your arm strength and how far you can throw it if you don't have the right touch and the right timing of your receivers. So um, let's move ahead to and talk a little bit about this weekend's game um, against New England. Um, Matthew, what do you see as, the, as a couple of the keys for the Bills to actually beat the Patriots this week? And, you know, if you're if you're a Bills fan right now, should you be optimistic that maybe this time it's going to be different and the Bills will actually come out of Foxborough with a win? I think it's fair to have some optimism, and, and that's a dangerous thing around Buffalo because, you know, these fans have been let down quite a bit over the years when they do, you know, get a, a taste of hope. But if you look at the way these two teams played in week four, uh, you know, what we were just talking about, Josh Allen taking care of the football. He did not do that in week four. The Bills also had a punt blocked. Uh, a lot of things went wrong for them. And Josh Allen got knocked out of the game early in the fourth quarter. And they still only lost 16 to 10. So, you know, and, and that was without Devin Singletary. So I think all of those factors give you a little bit of optimism that the Bills offense should have a few more answers for, New England's defense, which is still clearly the strength of, of their team. And I think that the Patriots offense is playing worse than it was the first time these two teams met. And Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier really have Tom Brady's number. And five games against the Bills since Sean McDermott uh, took over as, as the head coach, Brady is averaging 216 yards passing a game and wow. has a total of three touchdowns and five interceptions. Wow. He's... You know, they've really, you know, kind of figured him out. And, and it's a good matchup for them, especially, you know, in that week four game. I think it was his fifth worst passer rating he's had in his entire career. So without, you know, Rob Gronkowski and, and some of the weapons he's had in the past, the Bills ha have really figured out Tom Brady. So they're going to have to stop the run because I think, you know, with New England getting their running game going, that's something they'll try to attack um, with the Bills. But the Bills' offense is is improving, and it's better than it was the first time these two teams met. Singletary should be a factor. I think the big thing is, you know, Sean McDermott to some extent, uh, and and Josh Allen to some extent. They haven't beaten the Patriots, so there's a little bit of that that aura about New England. Uh, you know, Sean McDermott coaching against Bill Belichick. You know the the greatest coach of all time, Josh Allen playing against his childhood hero, Tom Brady, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time. That's different than going up against Duck Hodges and the Steelers. You know, there's a different mystique about going to Foxborough and trying to sort of get that monkey off their back in terms of this is a place they've never won. This is a, a team they haven't beaten since, you know, these two guys ha have been in town. So there's, a little bit of that involved, I, I think. The Patriots are have lost what one of their last twenty three at home or something like that. It's it's a tough place to play. It's a tough team to play, and I think Josh Allen just needs to handle that emotional challenge and not let the game get too big because Bill Belichick's defenses have certainly had their number against Josh Allen as well. 
Right. And so, Matt, kind of just to wrap up, what's it been like in Buffalo these last couple of months? I mean, we know how passionate Bills fans are. We know how excited they get when they are good because it's been so rare the last uh, over the last kind of few years. But how are they handling this? How high are the hopes? Do they, you know, think that this team is for real in the playoffs or are they kind of bracing themselves for disappointment? You know, there's certainly some people that are probably bracing themselves for disappointment because that's the what they've been psychologically trained to do by their sports teams for the last uh, long, long time. Um, but I think most people are really ready to jump on board with this team and, and already have, you know, a long time ago. I think people are sold that not only I don't think there's a lot of anxiety or worry about the postseason and whether they'll be one and done or, or anything like that, because I think a lot of people are convinced that they're going in the right direction, that for the first time in a long time, they have a quarterback that they can believe in. They have a coach who has this team heading in the right direction, a general manager in Brandon Bean, who's, you know, building a roster that can achieve sustained success. So, I mean, look, a thousand people showed up at the Buffalo airport at 2 a.m. early Monday morning to greet the team when they got back from Pittsburgh. This place is pretty fired up about this team, and there's a lot of people thinking that they can beat New England, and I think there's also a lot of people glad that for the first time in forever, they don't have to sit around in week 16 and 17 and wonder who they should be rooting for for the Bills to to get into the playoffs that they have their spot clinched they get to you know enjoy the holidays and and gear up for the postseason so it's a it's a welcome change around these parts and and people are excited uh, as excited as as they've been about the bills since i've started covering them it's definitely been fun to follow this year they've been a fun team to watch and we'll see how they do next week and in the playoffs so thank you so much matt for coming on you guys can all follow matthew's work at the athletic buffalo and on twitter at matthew fairburn his latest story uh that just came out recently is the profile of jim Nagy, the executive director of the senior bowl who was also our guest on the mailroom podcast last week so you guys should definitely check that out check out all of his work and And Matt, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. So with that, I think uh, we're good to move on to our We Hear You segment because one of the teams we kind of briefly mentioned, the Vikings, are uh, were mentioned in a comment and I would like to uh, kind of talk about them for a little bit. So this is We Hear You. We Hear You. Michael S. says, interesting to see if the Vikings move up considerably when they beat the Packers when they beat the Packers on Monday night. I think Michael is a Vikings fan. Three road losses in close games to teams you have ranked in the top six. The NFC playoffs are going to be insane this year. Most likely the two wild card teams will be 12 and four or better. And the Vikings are one team that I have noticed in our rankings, like have just kind of been stuck where they are for a bit because I don't think anyone wants to. No one's really moved them above the Packers, even with the concerns that a lot of people have about the Packers offense. The Vikings have kind of been solidly at where are they like number eight I think um yeah pretty consistently yeah pretty um, consistently right in that like eight range and I I'm very confident that they will move at least a couple of spots up um if they do beat the Packers um but yeah I, I think that they have kind of instead I have I've had them at seven because I've had the Patriots at eight the last couple of weeks um but I just I do think the Vikings are a team that at least you know our panel seems to not be confident enough to move up too high. But again, I think a lot of this is like 
the way that the, the the way that the other teams in the top five have been playing. And we haven't really seen like a huge statement win from the Vikings, at yeah. least recently. And I think that that's what we have a chance to see um, against the Packers. And so I think if that happens, I think our kind of mindset about the Vikings heading into the playoffs will, will shift uh, pretty, pretty dramatically. Yeah, I have them at number seven and I have, yeah, me too. Um, I'm looking over the last month. I had them at, uh, after week 12, I had them at six. That's the highest. Well, they were, I had them at fifth earlier in there, week seven and eight. Um, I had them back up to six after week 12, then at eight and now uh, at week at number seven over the last two weeks. And, yeah, me you know, too. I just, I, and I, I think they dropped back the week after they lost to the Seahawks. Um, I believe that was also a Monday night football game. And I guess just the concern there is always like, we haven't seen them win the big game. Like it's awesome that they can go to LA and, you know, make the chargers turn, turn, turn the chargers over seven times. I think it was three interceptions and four fumbles in that game. I mean, it was just pretty ridiculous, but you know, until you do it against a playoff team in a nationally televised game, I mean, we're going to hear a million times from Tessator and Booger on Monday night that Kirk Cousins has never won on Monday night football. I believe he's like 0 and 8 at this point. And, you know, until he wins a game like that, we're going to keep hearing about it. So I'm really excited about that game. I really want, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the Vikings defense. And, you know, I think the, the Vikings fans in our comments are right that maybe they are a little low. Maybe we are sleeping on them. But until they win, not just, you know, not just win a game convincingly like they did last week in Los Angeles, but win a big game in a big spot. Um, right. We're all going to be, I think, a little bit, a little bit skeptical about them. Right. And one more quick comment for we hear you section um, from Sam B. He says, please move my Colts farther back. They do not deserve to be anywhere near as high as they are on this list. And Sam, I totally agree. And yet I also ended up having them, I think, right around where they ended up on my own ballot. I think I had them at 20. Um, and again, this is just one of those things where it's like, when you're actually ranking them, I wanted to move them a lot farther back, but then it ended up, I didn't want to move any of the teams behind them up. So it becomes really tricky. And then what happens when there are so many kind of bad teams is that you just end up with a team that's been kind of a disaster recently, the Colts and the kind of collapse they've had throughout the season. Um they end up not potentially as far back as you would think uh, after especially the performance that they gave last night, which they basically didn't even show up. So, yeah. So we have them at number 18, which is actually the same place they were at last week. Um, but when you look at the teams that are around them, uh, the Bucks are at 16, uh, the Chicago Bears at 17. Then you've got the Browns, who are a disaster right also now. Also terrible. And and, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the. the the, the Browns game at Arizona was one of the least inspired performances I've seen all week. I, I mean, all season. I mean, it's they might as well have not even flown to Arizona. They looked so bad. Um, you know, and then we've got the Falcons, the Broncos who only scored three points um, in that game against the Chiefs. And then the Raiders, who, I mean, just so demoralizing the way that they lost their last two games in Oakland to the Titans. And then in that, you know, they gave up a a fourth quarter lead and lost to Gardner Minshew in the last game in Oakland. So while I do agree that the Colts are kind of in a tailspin right now, actually not kind of, they are in a tailspin right now. And that performance on Monday night was extremely embarrassing for a lot of reasons. And my, my good, the saints, I swear are the king of the Kings of pettiness. They, it was, it was pretty incredible that they scheduled their, you know, 10th anniversary of their Super Bowl win for that <laughs> Monday night game against the Colts. You know, they were playing, you know, 
clips of, you know, Tracy Porter's pick six in the Super Bowl, you know, on the jumbotrons in between plays. And then Drew Brees breaks Peyton Manning's record. I mean, it was just like, it was just really kicking the Colts when they're down. So I agree that it was awful, but I just couldn't drop them. Like I couldn't drop them below the Panthers or right. below the Chargers at this point. So I think they're fairly accurately ranked for what their, um, for what their record is, if not totally reflective of how they actually played in week 15. Right. All right, so find time for our final segment. Um, power up, power down. Power up, power down. So, Lindsay, what do you uh, what do you want to say about uh, the league this week? Want to power something up or down? I, so, I'm going to power up, and I'm going to stay kind of where we were just at, talking about that Saints uh, Colts game on Monday Night Football. But I'm going to power up to Drew Brees, who, if you watched that game, you obviously know that he um, is now the new career touchdown leaders in the NFL. He threw numbers 539, 540, 541, and 542 against the Colts um, on Sunday night. Um, it was there was a funny moment where they thought they threw the record breaker, and then of course it was wiped off by an offensive pass interference penalty and uh just just gave the saints fans in the superdome one more chance to chant refs you suck because they don't you know they need to do that any chance they get but not really let you know, it's just really go impressive there in to see drew it's just really impressive to see um you know drew Brees doing that right now i mean he's 40 years old and what's going to be really fun is that you know unlike when peyton manning kind of set the touchdown record and uh when he when he broke it for the first time in 2014, when he passed Brett Favre, um, you know, this is not done. Drew, uh, Tom Brady is sitting there at 538. These guys are going to kind of go back and forth until they end up retiring. And we don't know if either of them would be done after this year. So they're going to keep climbing. And um, I did mention that the Peyton Manning in 2014. So I was covering the Broncos pretty extensively then. I live in Denver. I was working at USA Today. And um, I just remember doing a lot of math when that was happening, when he when he threw 509 and then ended up throwing a couple more that game to extend his record, he ended up retiring with 539 passes. But at the time, Peyton Manning was on pace to like throw for over 600 touchdowns. If you thought, of, OK, if he's playing at this rate, I think he was throwing like 2.9 touchdowns a game and you thought he could play for another two or three seasons that maybe he could finish with, you know, upwards of 600, 630 touchdown passes. And so I did all this math trying to figure out how long it would take Breeze or Brady and if any of those guys could actually get to 600. And it felt really far-fetched because in 2014, it was hard to imagine these guys playing after 40. And here we are, Brady at 42, Breeze is 40, you know, almost 41. And, you know, we're going to just see these records keep getting extending, extended further and further. And then you have to wonder, you know, of the young guys out there who might be coming to break them. You know, is it is Patrick Mahomes going to play till he's, you know, 40, 41, 42 years old? Um, how many touchdowns he might have. Um, I will say in that story that I wrote in 2014, I did talk about how Andrew Luck was probably the guy who was going to break it. And obviously <laughs> that didn't hold up um, for a lot of reasons, injury and retirement related. But um, anyways, thumbs up to Drew Brees. Can't wait to see um, where that number ends up um, touchdown wise. And if Tom Brady is able to kind of keep pace this year, because it hasn't actually looked like it over the last few weeks. All right, I'm going to go the other way and power down. Uh, and I'm going to power down uh, NFL relocation and specifically what we've seen, what's what's happening in Oakland. Um, it's always just really sad when teams relocate. We've seen it a few times in the last few years with obviously the Rams and then um, the Chargers and now the Raiders um, moving to Las Vegas. Uh, 
with the Raiders, I don't know why, for me, it kind of sticks in a more unique way because it's like the Raiders have so much, you know, it's the Raiders, it's the Coliseum, it's the black hole and, and the fans there and the culture there, it means a lot and it's really important to their identity uh, and for them to be leaving it behind for Vegas sucks. It really sucks to like have to kind of deal, like see that happening. I know we've known it's going to happen for a while, but now it's real because they played their last game at the Coliseum. And um, also power down to the Raiders for the way that it ended there. Uh, it was really sad. They lost in the last minute to the Jaguars. And, you know, instead of this kind of emotional farewell at the Coliseum at the end, they walked off the field getting booed and with debris getting thrown onto the field. And it was just ugly and sad. And just it, it's I it, you don't want to ever see teams that are kind of so central to a place like the way that the Raiders we associate them with Oakland and now they're leaving for Vegas and the way that the scene all ended there on Sunday uh, it was really sad it was sad and it just sucks yeah. to to know that kind of these fans and how passionate they are about this team are now are now getting left behind yeah it was just kind of a reminder of how you know how just how important these teams are to these cities that they're in and the fans are the ones who really kind of get left behind in these disputes about stadiums and I want to hope that the all the fans who were booing, they were booing the situation. Yeah, you know, they were yeah. booing the organization. They were bore, booing, you know, maybe the, the maybe the politicians and the organization that couldn't figure out how to get something done. They were maybe booing the Davis family for you know not for not choosing to stay and fight to be in Oakland instead taking a lot of money to go to Las Vegas where they're getting their bright, new, pretty shiny stadium. Um, I hope that they were booing them and not actually booing, you know, the the actual players themselves because this wasn't their fault. I mean, it wasn't the players who were like, get us out of Oakland. Um, I think a lot of those guys have a really special connection to the fans in Oakland. And um, it's just, it's just too bad because it is, you know, so many of these stadiums, you know, I travel around the league a lot and so many of them are, you know, they are kind of sterile and they don't have, you know, a lot of unique stuff. And we've talked on our bonus pod about some of the our favorite traditions in the NFL. And not everywhere has that. Not everywhere has somewhere that's really special and unique. And Oakland was really um, special. Look, that stadium was a Yeah, dump. totally. <laughs> like, there's no way getting around it. They, they had to leave there. They could not continue yeah. playing games there. But... That's not the fans' fault, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's it's sad. So thumbs down to basically everything about that. Um, you know, too, it's just it's just too bad that we're not going to get to see games in Oakland anymore. All right, and that uh, wraps up our kind of post week fifteen uh, podcast. So we will be back next week with a Christmas Eve themed power rankings uh, podcast, and then actually later this week with a bonus. Um, continue to leave your comments on the power rankings post. You can read it now. It's up at theathletic.com slash NFL comment, tweet at us. Um, if there's something you want to, to hear us do on our bonus podcast for subscribers only, let us know that too. And, uh, we will see you guys, uh, later this week. Yeah. And make sure you check out all the gifts yes. and leave comments if you like the gifts, cause that makes us happy. Yes, very much. Okay. Bye guys. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you guys.